Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. What a Friday it is. And Amina Smith, let me tell you, I know this is not an American cultural tradition, but maybe Mm. NBC Sports Boston is starting to do it because I can tell you this. Since you're here, there's a siesta at NBC Sports Boston because if you're not on TV, nobody's doing TV at NBC Sports Boston because you're on TV all the time. And if you're not doing TV, they don't have a station. What's up? What's up, Amina? <laughs> Nothing much. And you know what? You sound about right because uh, I've been doing shows all week. <laughs> so because we get to do the Patriots post game tonight, I get a, a little bit, little bit of a break. And by a break, I mean eight hours. So <laughs> uh, that's right. A little bit of a break. Uh, and I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that uh, Patriots preseason night, the final preseason game uh, against the Raiders. This is final. This is finals weekend. It's finals weekend. And just like so football is just like school. I would guess at the beginning of the school year, everybody's happy. Everybody's, you know, showing off their first day or first week fits, depending on what kind of family you came from. See, like, we had, my family, my family was like, okay, I got enough for like three, four days. <laughs> okay. But then that next week, that next week, I'm bringing back the stuff I had last year, y'all. Okay, that stuff of last Start year. Start rotating. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna start. We're gonna start. We're gonna start mixing up. But everybody's happy. Everybody's good. You cool with people that you weren't necessarily cool with the previous year. That's at the beginning of the year. But when you get close to the end, that's when the fights happen. And that's what happened between the Bengals and the Rams. They just like everybody just cooped up. They they, they just they just annoyed. It's hot. It's a record-breaking summer across not only the United States across the world. Heat waves mm-hmm. everywhere. And you're out there, you're in pads, you're annoyed, you don't know if you're going to make the team. Some guys don't know if they're going to make the team. That guy certainly is going to make the team, Aaron Donald. And you know, somebody might say something. Somebody might look at you the wrong way, somebody might hit you the wrong way. And next thing you know, there's a brawl. Mm-hmm. A joint practice brawl. Amina, what did you think? When you heard about this, look at the, the the video was amazing. I shouldn't be joking about Ooh. it, but it's kind of crazy. Ooh. What did you think when you heard about it? And now, you know, if you had some time to process, what are your thoughts? So initially, when I heard about the brawl at practice, I thought, okay, you got two teams that were in the Super Bowl going up against each other. You know, there's animosity there. It's a joint practice, and we know how joint practices go. This is this is my. My, my quarrel with the conversations happening around the fights at joint practice. Guys, this is nothing new. This happens every year, right? Joint practices, like right. things get a little testy. You got guys trying to make the roster. They might say something. A lot of things we don't get to hear, especially people who are, right. one, oh. not at these joint practices. And then two, the media is too far to hear anything that is being said out there on the field. Now, I will say pertaining to this specific situation, Aaron Donald was wilding. I, I don't swinging a helmet at practice. That, the helmet, that's taking it a little. Come, come on, we got the picture. That's, a, that's taking it a little bit too far. I'm not gonna lie. And then also, you know, just reading the articles, reading the accounts. You know, Aaron Donald was pushed to the floor. Now I could imagine Aaron Donald is probably not used to being pushed down to the floor. He is not used right. to being the guy that is getting beat down on. So I don't know if it was something that was second nature. I don't know if it was something like, oh, like I go into self-defense mode. I might black out a little bit. We don't know what happened, <laughs> right? We don't know what the situation was. All I know Woo! is that one, this is exactly, this is typical. I've seen it before that's happened at joint practice. It literally happens every single year. But I will say the swing of the helmet, Holly, that took it a little bit, little bit too far for me, especially if you Aaron Donald. I don't even want to get in Aaron Donald's way. I don't want to push him too well, hard at practice. I don't no, want to no, act no. like a tough guy. I'm going to let him have it. <laughs> I, hey, listen, if I'm his attorney, though, if I'm defending Aaron Donald in court, I'd say, look, my client 
just held the helmet. He held the helmet just to let people know because he, he, he was under attack. He was on his back. He was under attack. He just wanted to let people know to back off. He had no intentions of, of swinging a helmet and hitting somebody. He just said it was kind of like a flash. It was like a little window dress. Hey, a little pump fake. Hey, 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 you want now listen. Hey, I got the helmet back off, but I, I got to ask this and I've been thinking about it. I know. I know. I know the history. I was the uh, Cincinnati Bengals reporter during Super Bowl week. So I, I you know, I hated on them for the regular season. Hated on mm-hmm. them in their wildcard playoff game in their divisional round win over Tennessee and uh, in the AFC championship game. But once I found out I had the Bengals assignment for the soup, then I start playing nice and that, okay, that, that's my team. Now. That's my team since I got to cover them. But so I understand the little Bengals dynamics. I know Zach Taylor and Sean McVay are close and Taylor was on McVay's staff, but I'm just guys. I got to say once they met in the Super Bowl, somebody should have made a phone call and be like, hey, hey, Zach, man, it's it's probably not a good idea to do this. Uh, we, we probably shouldn't have a joint practice. Like, y'all probably feel I'm like saying. y'all should have won the Super Bowl. Uh, we won it. We're proud. You know, we think we're the better team. All of a sudden, I mean, whatever. It's not a good idea. Why would you do this? Why would you have a joint practice between Super Bowl participants unless it's pay per view? And you want a little, okay, you want some action. You want a little bit of action. I, you want, that, that's literally, you know what, Holly, you hit it right there on the head because I see things like this happen all the time and then there's this conversation surrounding all the drama and it's like, well, what did you guys expect? Isn't this what you guys wanted? You wanted the drama. You wanted the story. You wanted the right. narrative. Well, here it is. I don't understand. I don't get it. Do you think... Um, and I see you have it in there, the league policing practice. Do you feel like, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you feel like suspensions are on the table for a joint practice brawl? Like if something just goes down in a joint practice that will get you suspended from a game, from a real game or, or a preseason game, do you think those same rules should apply for joint practices? You know I'm going to say no. I'm going to say absolutely not because then you open up a can of worms where the NFL, the league has to be policing all these different practices, right? We know that, you know, just talking to guys around the league, there are things that happen at practice that the rest of us don't know about. And the rest of us should not know about. There should be some type of privacy when they are at practice, when they're going through their challenges, their highs, their lows, there should be some privacy in that. And so I think the NFL stepping in to regulate practices, it opens up a can of worms. Like I could see, yes, regular season, whatever's on TV, those types of things. Okay, I get that being regulated, but practice is a different animal. It's a different beast. You know, we like I understand fans and people in the media, you want access to this sport behind the scenes. But there should be some type of privacy when people are working on their craft. And I think people forget that this is actually men at work. These are men that are working on their crafts. These are men that are literally working for their livelihood in the NFL. And so there's kind of this this tug and pull between, okay, well, the fans should have access and the fans should see joint practices and the fans should be able to, you know, preseason games should be a little bit more interesting and people should be mandated to start. Everything is not about fan enjoyment. And I get it. It's an entertainment product. It's something for people to consume. But at the end of the day, these are people's real life jobs and livelihoods that they're trying to maintain. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. And it is practice. And I know that, you know, you can't just uh, fall back on that and use that to hide all kinds of crazy behavior. Oh, it's just practice. Well, okay, okay. And then I can poke holes in that argument. Okay, it's just practice. So how far can they go? What can they do without any type of accountability? But I do think context matters. It's a joint practice between these Super Bowl participants. It got a little heated. It was at the, it was toward the end of it. Both coaches said, all right, it was time to stop here. I don't think either coach really wants anything to go further. Now, I saw Mike Florio. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk to Florio about this. I don't care what I talk to it might be like two weeks from now or three weeks from now. I'm going to bring this up because Florio (laughs) wrote that if the league, if the league doesn't suspend 
uh, Aaron Donald. The Rams. So no, I, I, I was flipping around. He said the Rams should suspend Aaron Donald if the NFL doesn't. Mm. Now, okay, I, I, that's crazy. Let me tell you how crazy that is. Can you imagine Sean McVay? They're trying to, to they're trying to go back to back. You didn't know, although you really did know, but you didn't know if Aaron Donald was going to come back. There was some uh, speculation that he would retire after the Super Bowl, got his ring, and he eventually got a new contract. So you're Sean McVay. You got a new contract. Cooper Cup got hooked up. Aaron Donald got hooked up. Les Snead. Everybody, okay, everybody's happy. You won a championship, and you're going to suspend him for what? Game one? Against the Bills? Hey, Aaron. Oh, no. I don't like what no. you did. I don't like what you did today in practice. Um, Can you imagine how that conversation goes? Can you imagine how that conversation would go down? I'm just, I'm just thinking of like behind the scenes, like a hard knock scene where like they're in the office, Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, and I'm sure they have a really great relationship. And he's just like, yeah, man, you know, a lot of outside pressure, people in the media, you know, they're saying, because that's what it's going to be about. It's not, it's not going to yeah. be about Sean McVay wanting to suspend Aaron Donald. Let's be real. It's going to be about the outside voices trying to influence him to make that decision. That would be, if I could be a fly on the wall for that conversation, which yeah. I know is not going to happen. I mean, I just, I just, I don't understand how people are trying to force a situation and trying to say, yeah. okay, yeah, well, he needs to be suspended. Like, just... Guys, calm down. Let them handle it in-house. This thing happens. It happens at practice when when teams are practicing within themselves. Again, like I said, a lot of things that people think they know happens behind the scenes, they really have no idea what's going on. Now, uh, you're married. I'm married. And you know, certain conversations, certain discussions happen. And, you know, you're supposed to move on. Forgive and forget. Um, you know, don't let your head hit the pillow in anger. You know, oh, that's, mm-hmm. what, that, that's what they say. That's what that's all the marriage counselors say. But you know, uh-huh. at times, and your at mama, times, your mama held, I, say the same thing too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Must be the same marriage counselor. But I'm saying certain things happen in a relationship that you would never forget. So Aaron Donald, if that happened to Aaron Donald, oh wow, he would never forget it. Mm. He would never forget it. He wouldn't move on. You know, like you're gonna okay, you're gonna take money out of my pocket because I'm really ultimately. I'm getting heated because I care about my team and, mm-hmm. and, and the competition is saying something to me and I'm just standing up for my guys and standing up for myself and you're suspending me and hurting our team. Oh my God. I, I mean, it just, it just wouldn't happen. This wouldn't happen. All right, let, let's move on. Let's move on from this. It's such a ridiculous scenario. All right. So let's talk about the top of the league, LA Rams to, mm-hmm. I don't know. You tell me, Amina, you're going to be talking about them tonight. Uh, you're going to be hosting a great uh, pregame or postgame show. On NBC Sports Boston, Patriots Raiders. Uh, are the Patriots middle of the pack? Are the Patriots Ooh. the once dominant Patriots? Are they a bottom 10 team in the NFL? What are we looking at uh, when we when we assess the New England Patriots? What, what do we got? Uh, you know what? When you talk about where they fall in the NFL, when you say bottom 10, that's where I was like, you know what? this is probably where this team could be this upcoming season. And it's all really just like, like the thing about the offense, right? You got Mac Jones going into his sophomore season. You have Matt Patricia, Joe judge and bill Belichick doing this collaborative effort on the offense. And it looks like Matt Patricia is going to be calling the plays, which I feel like also the entire offense and the team, like they haven't really bought into yet. You know, you hear Mac Jones at the podium after these practices and he's giving Matt Patricia all this praise, which he should do. We know that Mac Jones came out of Alabama and Nick Saban has trained him up well and he's going to say whatever he is supposed to say. He is a company man. That's what he's going to do. But I think there are just too many questions with where the where this offense is going that it doesn't make me feel like this season is going to be the season where we see the Patriots not only just be in the middle of the pack, in the middle of the pack of the NFL, 
but they could be towards the bottom because they're just trying to figure everything out. I'm not too worried about the defense. The defense has shown during training camp that they can get things done, so they can maintain. But you got to score points to win games in the NFL. And every time I'm looking at highlights from training camp, looking at highlights of Mac Jones trying to connect with receivers, there's almost maybe like one, two silver linings. And then the other ones are just like, you know, <laughs> drop passes or the back is dropping the ball or like the O-line is not blocking. That's a huge thing. The offensive line not being able to block to protect him to give enough, give him enough time. That's going to be a huge thing this season. So we see it in the preseason in the first couple of drives. It was like the second preseason game. And it looked like Mac Jones was, he was trying to get something going, but then, you know, fast forward that to week one, two, three, four. I mean, I think this Patriots team could start the season. Unfortunately, if you're a Patriots fan, 0-4. Because that game oh, speed changes four. so that game speed changes so much from the preseason to the regular right. season. You got Absolutely. guys who are trying to make the roster. You got teams who got their twos out there, their threes out there. It's gonna be a major difference. So I think that fans are gonna be probably shocked to see what the Patriots put out there on the field this upcoming season. All right. Well, I, I got a few things before I get into this. Okay. Uh, and then before we get to a guest that we both love, Ashley Nicole Moss coming up in about five minutes. All right. You, you made me laugh when you said one or two silver linings. He's like silver linings is supposed to be plural. You're not supposed to be able to like separate one of them. It's supposed to be like silver linings, <laughs> linings. They're supposed to be all over the place. You said there's one. There's another one. Another one. Now we're done with our silver linings. Okay, that's it. But it has. It has been that kind of preseason. It really has uh, for the Patriots. It's not been great. It's been uneven, a rough summer. I'll say a couple of things in their defense I think people are sleeping on. So when we talk about the offensive line, uh, the Patriots have been concerned about their offensive line. But you know who's concerned about their offensive line? I'd say 85% of the league. Like there are certain things that you hear in the league. At every league, you hear something over and over, and people think they're saying something different. But they're all saying the same thing. Like last night, San Francisco, we'll talk about them later. Trey Lance was running for his life. Why? They got offensive line problems. Like mm-hmm. most teams always say, you know what we could use? One more good line. One or two more good line. If we could get our offensive line together. So they say that in football, it's the offensive line. In basketball, teams always say, you know what we could use? Another shooter. In hockey, yeah. it's, you know what we could use? A puck-moving defenseman. And, and, and baseball, it's pitching. <laughs> so like these mm-hmm. things are always, like, consistently, I understand the Patriots' offensive line hasn't looked great, but, you know, everybody's going to be having some version of that conversation. But I think the big thing that's happening, and, and Amina, this is fascinating to me because we've never seen it really to this degree in New England. And I, I, I used the school example earlier with the school mm-hmm. clothes. Let's go to the cafeteria. Bill Belichick walks into the cafeteria. He's got his tray. He's got his milk. He's looking around to see who wants to sit with him. Nobody <laughs> wants to sit with him. Like, this is the most uh, scrutiny Bill Belichick has ever gotten in New England. You, you're around for it. You hear it all the time. Like people hating on Bill, hating on the draft picks, hating on the, the, the coaching staff that he has assembled, his, uh, the, the concepts, looking at well, what his record without Tom Brady. Like Bill Belichick, everybody's coming for Bill Belichick right now. And I'm going to say it's going to take a real disaster for a Belichick mm. team to be bad. I mean, like, even when his talent's not good, teams are pretty competitive. So I'd be shocked if it turns out. We'll see if they start 0-4. Never happened. No Belichick teams ever started 0-4. Uh, you know, before New England, before Tom Brady was a starter, one and three, including last year, but not 0-4. I'll be surprised if they're a bottom ten team in the league. That would that mm, actually that would shock me. 
I don't know. I mean, I you know, even listening to Josh McDaniels the other day talking about Bill Belichick and saying that he has the foresight that the rest of us don't have. I do agree with that. I do agree that whatever Bill Belichick knows and he's doing behind the scenes and how he's ignoring everybody else's questions about the offense, he obviously knows something that the rest of us don't know. And he's trying to install something right. that the rest of us, we obviously cannot see in the preseason. But for me, I just feel like whatever it is that they're trying to work out, it's not going to work out in a way where this is a team where we say, you know what? Okay, this is this is fine. I think towards the middle of the season, you might look at this team and be like, they're not making the playoffs. Like this is not a playoff Ooh. team. Like honestly, honestly, Holly, I don't expect the Patriots to make the playoffs. I'm just being honest. The way that I'm seeing it right now, I'm just expecting this to be a year where he's trying to, you know, get things going, get Matt Patricia, you know, comfortable in this offense, comfortable calling plays, maybe train up Joe Judge as well. But I just feel like this year is definitely one of those, like a real bridge year for the Patriots. I love this. Yesterday, Jim Trotter says the Buccaneers will struggle to make the playoffs. Today, Amina Smith says... Patriots not gonna make the playoffs. I love it. You keep being honest. That's why. That's one of the many reasons we have you on this show. Keep it. Keep it coming. <laughs> we got Ashley Nicole Moss coming up. Don't want to miss this. I'm just gonna step aside as Ashley and Amina take over this thing. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Well, Amina, you said earlier you're just being honest, and I believe you. Okay, you just you're a truth teller. Now, Jerry Jones, stop. Jerry yeah. Jones says the Cowboys will go as Zeke goes. What? What? Why? He's not even their best running back. Ashley Nicole Moss, Cowboys fan, joins us. Am I right or am I right? Zeke Elliott is no longer the Cowboys best running back. Hello Pollard, right? I feel like this is a setup. I feel like I've been set up. No, I feel like here's the thing. I think Zeke is their best running back depending on what type of play you're running, right? I think with a running back like Zeke, Obviously, you're not going to get the running back of three years ago. He has a lot of miles on him. The Cowboys, for a big part of time, were a run-heavy offense, so you utilize your running back a lot. That's always been their formula, which is why they've always invested so much into that offensive line. And to the dismay of a lot of Cowboys fans, ignored their defense in effort to make that offensive line almost perfect so Zeke would have a hole to run through or whichever running back came before him. I think now they're starting to kind of shift gears a little bit and see that the defense matters. Dak's going to throw that ball some more. We'll get into the wide receiver situation a little bit later. But in terms of a running back, Zeke is still going to be that running back you want to power through the hole, right? He's still going to be that battering ram, if you will. If you want someone a little bit more elusive, someone who's going to run those routes, someone who's going to be quicker in speed, then that's when you bring in Tony Pollard. So I still think they're a great one-two punch combo. It's just that he's going to be utilized differently than the Ezekiel Elliott of three, four years ago. And so when you talk about Ezekiel Elliott, right, I feel like he hasn't really had the seasons in recent history, how he has, like, when he first came into the league. Like, are you still confident that he has that ability, that he's worked this offseason, that he's worked during training camp to kind of push this offense where it needs to be? Yeah, I mean, if you look at him, obviously you don't know the intricate details, but if you look at him, he looks a lot slimmer. 
Um, he looks leaner. He doesn't look as hefty, which is obviously going to make him a little bit faster. Zeke's never been like abundantly fast. That's never really been his game. It's always really been his strength, right? But as you get older, you want to do everything in your power to go ahead and have things work in your favor. So you don't want extra weight on you because that's already going to slow down somebody who wasn't necessarily the fastest to begin with. I think Zeke, though, is still like a top tier running back. You're just going to have to utilize him differently. I don't think that Tony Pollard is going to be running back number one. I still think that Zeke has the capabilities that make him the first running back, your first option always. But again, that's why you have more than one, right? That's why you have a depth chart, because if you want to run certain schemes that may not be what's in his wheelbarrow anymore, that's when you tap into Tony Pollard, or if this is another football team, whoever, you know, next running back up is. That's kind of the the gist of what a depth chart is. Now, see, you said it. You asked me if I was setting you up. Uh, I'm not setting you up, but whoever is uh, in control, I'm going to say Gary Carter is because he's showing this B-roll and everything I see is, is Zeke fumbling. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not looking at fumbling. it. Listen, Zeke, Zeke has to do better. Zeke has to, he, Zeke has to do better holding on to that ball, but that has nothing to do with his size, his speed. That's always been an issue with Ezekiel Elliott. He has times where he's a little clumsy with that football that's been consistent throughout his entire career. So that's not something that just came out of thin air. He has to do a better job of holding on to that ball. And I think if you utilize him correctly and you're not having him, you know, almost like a wide receiver out there, you don't rely on him to not only catch it, but then run with it. But listen, regardless of what the scheme is, he has to hold onto the ball with two hands, Zeke, yeah. two hands. I need to see two hands on the two football. Hands. Yeah, Ashley, I'll just say, I'll just, I'll just say before I give it to Amina here, context matters. So our producer, Gary Carter, you probably know this already, but I just want to remind you going into 2022 season. Uh, he's a Washington Commanders fan. Uh, big time. Like old school Commanders fan. So I'm sorry he's to running hear that. that video. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. He's running that video because one, he's upset that Commanders are not really relevant and haven't won uh, in a long, very long time. Uh, but two, he just, like, he's angry. He's just angry. So that's I mean, why if, that video. If I was a Commanders fan, I'd be angry too. So I don't blame him. Yeah. Can't relate. Can't relate yeah. though. You know. Can't relate. The shade. The shade. <laughs> the shade. Child. Okay, let's kind of move over to Dak Prescott because I feel like there's a lot to be said about Dak this upcoming season and the expectations on him. And even though Jerry Jones got on TV yesterday and said that this offense goes as deep goes, I think it's obvious that Dak Prescott is the head of this offense that is going to run through him like as I feel like as Dak Prescott goes that this entire Cowboys team is going to go so Ash, like what is the expectation for this Cowboys team after falling short last season the realistic expectation because I know you're a Cowboys fan so. I mean obviously it's always Super Bowl but listen in in real in, as real as it can get this team has to win in the postseason like it's great to go ahead and win your division it's great to go ahead and win regular season games but if you can't win when it counts then what good is being the most valuable franchise in the nfl right and the cowboys constantly get to the playoffs and underperform and you can't continually get away with that and Dak has to showcase that he's not just a regular season leader he's a playoff leader now does that mean that this team is going to the super Bowl? I don't know. Every single year I say the same thing. So I'm going to say we're going to the Super Bowl, but realistically, the team just needs to show that they need to win. And it's going to be tough. Listen, you lost Amari Cooper. Everyone knows that that quarterback and wide receiver telepathy, if you will, is very, very hard to just redo with new guys. It, it takes a while to establish that chemistry. Dak's decision making is going to have to be a lot better. He's going to have to be a lot quicker with that decision making, either throw the ball away. If you don't have an open receiver, run the ball. Don't do anything crazy. The decision-making has to be better than it's ever been. But this team has to win when it counts. It can't just continually be regular season champs. That, that's not going to cut it anymore. All right. Uh, I'm going to switch up and talk uh, talk a little basketball with y'all. And the way you answer this question, Ashley, will tell me. I know where he's going. If, <laughs> if you, okay, no, no. But it will tell me. 
if you believe in a team on paper or if you think there's something else at stake. Okay. Now this is gonna on paper. It seems like a ridiculous question, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how you handle it. Which team, okay. <laughs> which team is most likely to win a championship first, the Brooklyn Nets or the New York Knicks? Ooh. Like you mean, well, that's not really a fair question to ask me because the Knicks wait, because the Knicks aren't done rebuilding. I don't know where the Brooklyn Nets are going to go after a big three of Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. It's not like those guys are a dozen. It really is. It's a mental state question. (laughs) Personally, I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are winning a championship. I think they'll be better off than they were obviously last year or the season before that. I still don't think that's a championship team. I know people say, oh, it's Kevin Durant. It's Ben Simmons. It's Kyrie Irving. How can you say that? I just think that there are better teams that have been playing together longer. And I'm not convinced as a team that's even going to play the entire season together. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, will they come out of the East? Maybe I still think it's Boston's, you know, conference to win or lose, but could they come out? Sure. Do I think they're winning a championship next season? I'm still not convinced, but if I'm looking at the current make of the team, obviously Brooklyn's in a better position to go ahead and win a championship with what they have before the Knicks do. But I think when the Knicks are all said and done, I think that's going to be a really solid complete team that you'll see for more seasons together than I think we're going to get from the Brooklyn Nets. So that's a really good point that Ashley brings up is that when you look at the Nets, I think of longevity and them trying to actually build around the players that they have. I think the situation with the Brooklyn Nets is so volatile and we've talked about it over and over and over again, Holly. I mean, like obviously Kevin Durant, wants to win a championship, but I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. I, he might show up to work one day. He might not show up to work one day. I have no idea if he even wants to play basketball. I don't know. And I mean, Kyrie Irving is probably one of the most talented players in the NBA, oh, and he should be out there playing. But we just don't know what the situation is going to hold. He might wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to take 10 days off. I don't know. I have no idea what is going on in Kyrie Irving's mind. And then on the other side of it, you got Ben Simmons. And who knows what's happening with him behind the scenes and that chemistry with the team and a lot of things that happened during the offseason, the stories that have come out, coming out of the group chat, like all kinds of weird stuff that come <laughs> yeah, out I of love Brooklyn that, that just not only, yeah, just, not it only just that, you feel like I can't, you can't trust that team on paper. Yes. Like they are super talented. They are super talented and they should come out of the East and they should win an NBA title. But the fact is all the off the court stuff, is what's going to hold them back, not only this season, but beyond, because we don't even know if they're going to stay together. Not only that, but I think my concern, not, you know, Kyrie obviously is Kyrie Irving, you know, for all the skill that he has. He has a lot of other things off the court, but for Ben Simmons, I think what I'm looking at is, you know, anyone who's ever had an issue with their back, back surgery knows that it can kind of pop up and bother you at any given time, especially, you know, if you're constantly working it, you know, and that just goes to something as small as a herniated disc to something on a much bigger scale. It just takes one wrong movement one wrong tweak and all of a sudden you're experiencing back pain all over again. So that's always a possibility. But then also I'm looking at Ben Simmons has always been guilty of defensively incredible can guard every position one through five. You cannot talk about him when it comes to defense, but offensively he's always been guilty of his skill set kind of just hitting a plateau and never really taking the effort to make it hit another level. It's kind of consistently been the same. The things that he needs to work on, he's never really given the true attention to. So when you look at his offense from when he first got into the NBA to where he is now, there's not much of a difference. And yeah, when you're on a team with Kevin Durant, with Kyrie Irving, and they have some some other supporting guys, he may not be expected to score as much but you still need to go ahead and give me 16 to 20 and if you can't get that in the paint how else are you going to give it to me because if they know he's going to exist in the paint because that's his bread and butter he can always go up for a layup he can always you know do a little hook shot he is seven feet tall but if the paint is blocked where are you going to go and I think that if he's worked on his game that being taken away from him shouldn't make a difference but he's never shown us that offensively he really gives much attention to that aspect of his game. All right. I want you both to, to answer this one. All right. Um, 
if you really think about it, if you step back, Kevin Durant, uh, depending on your ranking, like some people say he's the best player in the league. I don't think I have many, many people I've heard have him below number five in the league. So a top five player in the league says, I want to be traded. He averaged 30 points a game last year, damn near 30 points a game. He has some injuries, so he didn't play a full season. And that guy, not only was he not traded, but certain teams said, nah, we're not doing that. Like Memphis, okay, Memphis just blew my mind, said, okay, we're not trading John Moran. I wouldn't expect you to. But we're not we're not trading Jaron Jackson. We're not play, we're not trading Desmond Bain. Anybody, but you can't have these guys. I'm like, wait a minute. You wouldn't trade Desmond Bain for Kevin Durant. I'm like, it, it, it's amazing. I... Did did the rest of the league get it right? Or is somebody gonna say, what the hell were we thinking? We had a chance to get Kevin Durant and we didn't want to trade, we didn't want to give up our second, third, fourth best player. It depends really on what side of the coin you're on, right? So if you're on the coin of instant gratification and instant success and taking the gamble for what they call a, you know, a popcorn or a microwave championship, then you would say, yeah, the league was wrong. Now you got to take some of these proposed trades with a grain of salt because some of them sound a little far-fetched. Some of them sound a little fairy tale. Some of them sound a little asinine. So again, I'm taking them with a grain of salt. But if you're on the side of like, let's throw all these pieces together and hope that in the three years, four years that they have together, we win a chip, then yeah, you say that teams miss out on Kevin Durant. If you're on the other side of the conversation where I tend to go ahead and exist, then you believe in longevity. You believe in teams who've kind of gone through the quote-unquote dark ages of, you know, the glory days that they once knew and did the work, whether it was a free agency, whether it was drafting, and watch this team get back to that trajectory. You look at the Boston Celtics. You look at the Memphis Grizzlies. You look at um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. You look at the Miami Heat. You look at some of these other teams in the NBA who've gone through the motions to rebuild this team little by little each season, and now they're on the trajectory of where they're constantly in the postseason or will start to be consistently in the postseason and are working towards that championship with a culture, with a familiarity between coaching staff, front office, team. I tend to think that that's more beneficial in the long term than trying to throw a bunch of guys together and hope it works. We've seen it with the Lakers. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. Like, it worked with the Warriors, but they were already a dynasty before Kevin Durant got there. It worked with the Miami Heat, but it took them a year, too, to figure it out. So it depends where you fall in that equation. No, I, I totally agree with you, actually. I think that a lot of teams around the league, they were looking at the fact that they have these young players, these young stars on the rise that they want to build around. And the reality is that although Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the NBA, top scorers in the NBA, he's also about to hit his mid-30s. And we don't know if he's going to be playing healthy for however many long or or also the fact that, you know, how long is he going to stay on your team? Like, let's not forget his contract extension doesn't even start till this upcoming season. And so you have Brooklyn who is like, OK, we gave you this max contract extension before you even started that contract. You just said, all right, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. Y'all need to fire the GM. Y'all need to fire the head coach or y'all going to choose me. And then I think that a lot of front offices look at that situation. It was like. I don't think I want to deal with that. Like, we got a young core that we're building around, and we're in the playoffs. You're talking about teams like Ashley mentioned, like the Grizzlies, talking about the Miami Heat, talking about Boston, the situation here. And, Holly, you know how crazy people went when they talked about trading Jalen Brown. Like, people were not trying to have oh, yeah. Jalen Brown go anywhere yeah. outside of Boston. Yeah. I, and, honestly, I couldn't agree more because of the fact that they got to the NBA Finals last season so I think that's the way that front offices looked at it but also I looked at this situation and I said honestly the Nets played it very well like they didn't want KD to go anywhere and they made the trade scenarios so outrageous so that way front offices will be like you know what I mean, I know it's KD, but I'm not giving up my young stars I'm not giving up an (laughs) all-star I'm not giving up all these picks and a good rotational player Exactly. Yeah. I think it was more so the, the Brooklyn Nets playing the situation well as opposed to these other teams looking and saying, you know what, we missed out on KD. They didn't miss out on nothing. The Brooklyn Nets, they weren't trying to give them up. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I, listen, well, look, before before we go, I got these two fashion icons here, Ashley Nicole Moss and, and, and Mina Smith. And so I got to take advantage of this. 
your 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 fashion eye, your fashion expertise. All right, Brooklyn brought out the Stars and Stripes jersey. There it is. Oh, there it is. I think that thing is flawless. Okay, that thing is flawless. I I want to hear, especially you, Ashley. You know, you're a Knicks fan, so I I feel like if you give this props then I can validate it for real. It's certified because if a Knicks fan thinks it's fly, it's really fly. So start with you. Tell me about fashion-wise, what what we doing here? I mean, fly is a little exaggeratory. Um, I'm not going to go that far, Um, but it's historic, and I tend to like historic jerseys. I like vintage throwbacks, Um, so I think it's dope. I think it's a cool way to kind of honor the the history of the OG Nets, not the Brooklyn Nets, but the OG Nets. Um, but I'm not going to say the New York the, Nets, the New yeah, York I'm not, Nets, not, not the New Jersey. I'm not going to say it's the flyest jersey in New York City. You know, that belongs to us, the New York Knicks. But, you know, they could be second if they want to. <laughs> as you, they always gonna be second let's just be honest I, I don't know why people make right. it seem as if there's like a real divide in New York where people are fighting over being Knicks and Nets fans like in my world that does not exist I don't meet that many people where it's just like oh my gosh I've been a Nets fan my whole life okay yeah sure anyway but um <laughs> but yeah looking at the jersey it's cute I wouldn't say it's the best thing I've ever seen I do love when you know teams they kind of pay homage to you know the old stuff old days back in the day that's always great but again it's it's all right Holly I, I want to say it's oh man y'all jersey. tell me I need, okay okay I need, I need my Knicks to bring back the old school 90s Knicks jerseys with the black stripe going down the side that Latrell Sprewell used to rock. Allen Houston used to rock. The one of the 90s. Now that was a fly jersey, okay? Now Shout that was something that you could get I off got, with I a got fit. My first, I got my first Latrell Sprewell jersey, I think when I was in fourth grade, and I thought I was the flyest girl that came. <laughs> I still have mine. Hang it. Listen, that was a fly jersey. Now that, when we talking about fly, that's what we mean when we say fly. I'm going to have to look okay? into it. That was cool. I'm going to have to look into it. Fly. Hey, I, I, okay, I'll check them all out now. You, 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 you forced me to go back and do my Google images and just look at all the jerseys over the years. Uh, but I just think uh, y'all are a tough crowd. I'm gonna say y'all are a tough crowd because I just think these images of Julius Irving with the fro flowing, red, white, and blue basketball, ABA. I mean, I'm, I get, I'm just getting nostalgic for that. But okay, all right. It's a vibe. I'm gonna listen. It's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's cute. I'll listen to the expert. <laughs> I appreciate you, Ashley. Thank you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yeah, where's, anytime, where's Mr. anytime. Where's Mr. Smith doing where's, his Amazon stuff? Michael. Where's who? Oh, Smith. Uh, who knows? Who knows what he's doing? You know, he's like, now he's on some, he, he's on his own thing now. He's on his own thing with his schedule. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta go through his people. You gotta go through his people to talk to him. So. Yeah. Uh, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know hey. I missed. I'm glad to know you missed me. Take separation hey, to bring say, appreciation. Hey, <laughs> but you know what? Listen, <laughs> listen. This this makes the point. Hey, Amina, this makes the point right here. Cause I ain't call him. I didn't call you him. Sure I, didn't. You know, to, you sure to, get, to get him to get him on Smith, the show. Who? We had to go. We had to get. Yeah, we had to get his people. people. You got to call we his had people to call now, his people okay? Big time. To get him in here. <laughs> ain't, nothing, ain't nothing changed but my change. And barely. First of all, Amina, it's great to see you. It really is good to see you. Thank, Thank you. you so likewise. Much, 
for blessing the show, for upgrading the show. Here I am dragging it down. Look, man, y'all don't need me. That's the thing. It's like, you know, y'all, y'all doing y'all thing. I didn't love, oh, yeah. I, I didn't even want to. All the reason I'm here is to get credit for time served, right? Does this count like it is an accrued <laughs> season, Michael? Like, is this a day? <laughs> Can I get credit for That's the right. day for coming in and saying what's up? You know, I'm just, yeah. I just stopped by to say hello. Don't mind me. What were y'all about to talk about before I crashed y'all party? Because y'all, well, this y'all is are perfect. Cooking. Y'all are great together. This, no, no, this is perfect. This is perfect that you're here because we're about to talk about something. Uh, that from from Thursday night football and you are part of Thursday okay. night football coverage on Amazon yeah. Prime. So last night, ooh, I know preseason, Mike preseason. Yeah, let's not exaggerate. But Trey Lance didn't have time to do anything. They put up zero points, zero points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now that's their final preseason game. You're going into a season with Trey Lance with Super Bowl aspirations. I'm just I'm wondering, have we all been and you know, Mike, we are big Trey Lance fans on brother from another. Mm-hmm. He is the he is the young quarterback. He's the under 25 quarterback for brother from another Derek yeah. Carr is the He's Derek Carr's backup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So are we is our love for Trey Lance kind of kind of throwing us off from looking at the situation as it is This is a precarious situation for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You, you got Super Bowl aspirations and you're giving the ball to Trey Lance in 22. This thing gonna work? Well, Mike, this is why, and I, it, it's obvious what direction they have to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember, we kept arguing a while back about the merits or the logic of retaining Jimmy Garoppolo after last season, and I was like, I don't think it should be such a slam dunk that they move on from Jimmy. You know, maybe they make him compete or something. But obviously, that ship has sailed. But to answer your question, man, dude just hasn't played football. Like he played the one year in North Dakota State, which is brilliant. The one game in the COVID shortened season, then prepared for the draft, barely played last year. Like he's raw and and little things. Like there was a play, I was in the green room last night uh, with my man Ryan. It's that play, that throw right there. If we could run that, run that reel again. Ryan Fitzpatrick went crazy in the green room last night because he was like, that receiver should still be running. It was a completion, but if he places the ball properly, mechanically, fundamentally, then that receiver is running. Look, look how much room he has Ooh. to run if he le- if he leads it properly. He yeah. has a lot to learn at this position. He has a lot to learn to play quarterback, and he's doing it at the NFL level. Excuse me, and he's doing it for a team like you said, Michael, with a Super Bowl roster. So I think 49ers fans are going to have to do something that they're accustomed to doing, Amina, at the quarterback position, which is be patient. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it is. And you made a good point when you talk about the fact that Trey Lance doesn't have a lot of experience. And so that's why I raised my eyebrows in the beginning, Holly, when you talked about Super Bowl aspirations. I, I was kind of taking it back a little bit. I said, I don't know about that. I don't think this is going to be the season. The rest <laughs> but I think of the, the patience maybe. will. <laughs> right. The rest of the roster, maybe. But once you hand the keys over to Trey Lance and he hasn't had that experience yet. I think it's just going to take some time for him to understand the nuances of the offense, to understand the pace of the game when he's out there playing during the regular season, because we could point to the preseason all we want about the mistakes being made and things like that. And maybe even some of the highlights that he's had out there on the field. But once you get into the regular season, and you're playing full game speed and guys are playing to get into the playoffs to win a Super Bowl, that's a totally different story. And that's going to be a big, a huge learning curve for Trey Lance once he gets into the driver's seat and he's really leading this 49ers team this year. Mike, the only thing that I I do want to pump the brakes on, Mike, and I've said this, I've, I've tried to remind myself of this. This time last year, and I know it's not the same thing, but this time last year, Jamar Chase couldn't catch. He could not catch, and I just, I just, I keep saying it to myself. So you said off the top, you know it's just preseason, and yes, you can still look at some things and say, oh, the kids got a ways to go. But I just want to be careful not to declare this, you know, this season a, you know, a transition year. Maybe it gets better quickly, and as the year goes on, we'll see. That was the peak of my Jamar Chase criticism, right there. That was that. That's where I peaked. I peaked in August. Mike, I was in Cincinnati. I was in Cincinnati Wednesday. I had Bengals security being like, "Your boy come around yet? Your, your, your boy a believer yet?" <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I might hey, not man. have been here, but I wasn't far away. <laughs> my Bengals. My Bengals. Last thing I'll say. Last thing I'll say on this is. 
your colleague uh, from Amazon, Richard Sherman. How about that? Mm-hmm. Your colleague, Richard Sherman, comma, yeah, I know. Uh, said yeah. last night that, you know, asking what they're asking Jimmy Garoppolo to do is akin to there was a divorce and one of the divorcees brings the new spouse into the house and they're all living in the same house. He's like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. So that's what they got going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. But I say, okay, since Garoppolo has already handled that situation, he's been a, he's been a good teammate, no distractions. Why not do a little pivot and say, okay, Jimmy, we ain't gonna trade you <laughs> and we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna cut you. Like you're 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 gonna be the backup. You'll be the backup to train. Like you gotta yeah. say that. You gotta say he's the backup. And yeah. if this thing is an abject disaster after three or four games, the right. backup becomes it's not a like starter. He, it's, not like, not? it's not like he's gonna say, "Nah, I ain't playing." Listen, Mike. Right. It's it's not realistic, but it is logical. And I get where you're coming from. It's not ridiculous because, like, and here's one way they can convince themselves that it could work. From a salary cap standpoint, from an investment standpoint, Trey Lance is on his rookie deal. So that 24 million is just kind of inverted, if you will. And you're paying your backup who's taking you to two NFC Championship games in a Super Bowl uh, to you're paying him what you would normally pay a starter. And you know, your young guy's still on a rookie contract. So from an investment standpoint, it's not the worst thing. It is not the worst idea given the kind of teammate he is. Is it realistic? No, they're not going to go that route. Like he's going to yeah. get cut. Okay. And he probably end up in Seattle. He won't end up in Cleveland. They love Jacoby Brissett. I can tell you that much. Uh, that's Michael Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Smith. Uh, yeah, right. Catch him on shows. Catch him on shows such as Brother from Another. Right. Uh, about Monday. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be in Buffalo on Monday, so I may not be able to see you on Monday, man. Um, did y'all talk about this matter no, no. raising situation on a, on a serious note? Did y'all talk about that in today's show? Y'all hit matter raising. Talk about which? The matter raising. Oh, oh no, we didn't. Yeah. No, no, we didn't talk. Did? We didn't talk okay. about it. We didn't bring it up. We'll we'll talk about but, that next week uh, as this as this yeah. further develops. Like we got we got to unpack. It's that very for real, for real, all jokes aside. Yeah, it's serious. This is serious. Yeah, I'm Mike Smith, seriously, Monday. man. Good, to, good to see you, good man. Good to see y'all. Hey, anytime, anytime you want me, just give it me a call not- and I love to stop by. <laughs> love the show, Amina. Love the show, Michael. You guys do a great job. First time listener, long time caller, or whatever it goes. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You got to do things that you don't want to do. So my wife dragged me to the Martha's Vineyard dog show with our three pugs and our three kids. And uh, the one in the middle finished second. The one on the right, Pumpkin, finished first. And the baby, who's the devil, I'm convinced, finished third. Thank God she finished third. So there are the dogs. It's no. National Dog Day. I, I know you got a beautiful dog. Your dog's I do. your dog's name is Kodak. Kodak. Look at my little baby. First of all, your dogs are like superstars. They're entering contests. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> my dog has no trophies. <laughs> oh, hey, listen. Bring your dog to the Martha's Vineyard Dog Show, and there will be a there'll be a ribbon. A ribbon will be involved. This particip- <laughs> it's a participation trophy. Good to see you, Amina. I'll see you later tonight. Thanks for seeing you. Dietz & Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.